This is Earth Files, the award-winning news site with the latest updates in science, environment, and real X-Files. Podcasting in-depth reports beyond the 6 o'clock news by Emmy Award-winning journalist Linda Moulton Howe. Hi, everyone here and around the world. Good news. This Earth Files YouTube channel is close to 255,000 subscribers now, and I would appreciate if you haven't subscribed to please click on that red button in your lower right screen. It doesn't cost you anything, but it helps us at YouTube. And please click on the like button too. And here are some news headlines from the beginning of this 2024 new year. January 9th, 2024, by KPCW News, Park City, Utah. Quote, investigation into 13 dead cows found in Summit County, Utah, inconclusive. All 13 cows were pregnant, and there was not any sign of excised hide that I have seen and reported about for so many years in so many highly strange, bloodless, trackless animal mutilations. This week, I talked with a Park City veterinarian who confirms that there were no excisions or blood on any of the 13 dead cows, and all 13 were pregnant with the fetuses intact. He told me, quote, I did not find a single thing in my examinations and pathology exams of the pregnant cows. Their deaths are a real mystery, close quote. Here's another New Year headline, January 12, 2024, UK Daily Mail in London, England, quote, Bizarre footage shows several UFOs hovering above Philadelphia, Pennsylvania in a cluster as two craft are seen merging together days after the Miami Mall 10-foot alien sighting incident that forced police to respond to conspiracy claims there, close quote. After that New Year's Day, January 1st, 2024 headline exploded on the internet around the world from the Bayside Mall in Miami, one Earth Files viewer called me up to say that his close friend was in the Bayside Mall on January 1st and saw a, quote, dark figure, close quote that he described as slightly translucent, like a 12-foot-tall column of brownish smoke, sort of walking toward the guy pointing and recording his cell phone at the approaching, he used the word, creature. He said whatever it was, quote, glitched out like a TV screen, close quote. Was someone experimenting with holographic projection technology in that public mall New Year's Day filled with people? And if so, why? Whatever the truth is, that man recording as the tall thing approached says his cell phone right there was confiscated by a Miami police officer among the people who were flooding into the mall. Even now, this date of January 17, 2024, more than two weeks later, he still has not had his cell phone returned and is contemplating a lawsuit against the Miami police. Then, January 12, 2024, 
The Hill News in Washington, D.C. headlined, quote, Classified UFO Briefing. House members emerge with mixed feelings. Inspector General of the Intelligence Community, Thomas Monheim, confirmed for the House Oversight and Accountability Committee that intelligence analyst David Grush is who he says he is. Quote, the meeting lasted about 90 minutes and was meant to improve transparency around the government's knowledge of UAP, but members left frustrated instead with many unanswered questions, close quote. Three days earlier, on January 9th, 2024, at an exclusive New York City penthouse came another UK Daily Mail headline, quote, exclusive UFO whistleblower David Grush held secret talk with Wall Street bigwigs and CIA officials in Manhattan, where Grush claimed U.S. was in possession of a 40-foot TARDIS-like craft that was the size of a football field when you stepped inside, close quote. That word TARDIS, T-A-R-D-I-S, comes from the British science fiction TV series, Doctor Who. The TARDIS is an advanced craft that is bigger on the inside than it appears on the outside and can go anywhere in time and space, even looking like a blue police phone box in England. The TARDIS is a hybrid of a time machine and a spacecraft and can change its outer dimensions and inner dimensions. So David Grush at the Wall Street secret meeting was reporting that the United States has hidden a UFO-related craft so advanced that it resembles the TARDIS first displayed on Doctor Who in the 1963 program An Unearthly Child. A military pilot from Hill Air Force Base south of Ogden, Utah, told me a few years ago that in a U.S. Air Force assignment that he was asked to climb up a metal scaffolding next to a UFO that appeared about 40 feet in diameter, meaning the UFO appeared about 40 feet in diameter. And when he reached the top of the scaffolding, an entrance immediately and automatically opened up in the side of the UFO, and he had been asked to step inside. And he told me the interior was huge, like a football field, and that he felt disoriented and stepped back out onto the scaffolding, and then back into the ship. And he said he stepped in and out several times, trying to understand what was happening and to deal with the disorientation that he felt. Doctor Who, in the UK TV series, explained, quote, the presence of a physically larger space contained within the smaller police box is explained as, quote, dimensionally transcendental, close quote, with the interior of the UFO craft being a whole separate dimension containing an infinite number of rooms, corridors, and storage spaces, all of which can change their appearance and configuration close quote, sort of like infinity contained inside of a beach ball. 
in that secret Manhattan penthouse meeting on January 9, 2024. David Grush said the TARDIS time machine and spacecraft can manipulate both time and space and could produce enough energy to power 70,000 homes a year. 70,000 homes a year it could power. According to the UK Daily Mail, David Grush also told the secret penthouse group that the United States was involved with UFO crash retrievals even before 1933. Grush also told the private group that the U.S. government has, this is the word, murdered people to keep UFOs and ETs secret, and that no more than 50 people, 5-0, know the full scale of the phenomenon. Air Force Intelligence Officer David Grush's meeting with Wall Street bigwigs about UFOs and extraterrestrials was private, not before news cameras, as Americans were told last summer would be the next unfolding of UFO ET. This is somebody's sneaked photograph that ended up copyrighted on Reddit. But the information that would keep unfolding, they had hoped through Tennessee's 2nd District Representative Tim Burchett's House subcommittee hearings. Well, why isn't that happening? Why are congressional representatives frustrated and disappointed after their recent January 12th private briefing that was only three days after the January 9th David Grush and Wall Street gathering in the Manhattan penthouse? I called my longtime friend and colleague Ray Boucher, THD, Doctor of Theology based in Lincoln, Nebraska. Ray founded the Fortean Research Center about unexplained phenomena and UFOs in 1982. He was Nebraska State Director for MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network, has been on the Board of Advisors for Citizens Against UFO Secrecy, and was former graphic designer for the University of Nebraska Press, and was former pastor for the Celebration Reformed Episcopal Church and pastor of the Christ Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. Ray and I have talked long and deep about the UFO and ET phenomena since the 1990s. And here are some excerpts from our recent January 14th, 2024 discussion. Why do you think that the new year has started with a secret meeting, big headlines through the Daily Mail, with Wall Street bigwigs being those that were presented to instead of a congressional hearing. I think that this is another move by the real power base in this nation that Dwight Eisenhower warned us about at the end of his presidency, the military-industrial complex, which is very real and very powerful and has completely, in my opinion, lost sight of the fact that this nation was founded on principles that make the state the servant of the people, not vice versa. And it seems that we move closer and closer year by year, incrementally, to what I'm sure those in power would say is a benevolent authoritarian state 
but an authoritarian state nonetheless. And I find that very disappointing. I find it contrary to what the founding fathers of this nation wanted. And I think it's the living embodiment of Eisenhower's warning to keep the military-industrial complex at bay. And we have failed to do that. What is your understanding about why they would be discussing the TARDIS-like craft that can have distorted space-time inside of it? That's an interesting question. It seems to me that possibly the reason this was of such interest to these people dealt more with how could this technology be exploited by us? How can we exploit this to make a lot of money? The article states that Grush made the claim that not only could the object manipulate both space and time, but could use and harness enough energy to power 70,000 homes a year. So I think there are certainly commercial aspects to this that would be of great interest to Wall Street investors and company directors, certainly the United States government, intelligence agencies, the military, and so on. I can see a lot of reasons why they would be interested in this. The disturbing thing to me is why would this be put together with representatives from the FBI, the CIA, and Wall Street bigwigs, to quote the paper, rather than presented to the Congressional Subcommittee and that information be made public rather than distributed privately to a small group of people. Exactly. We thought that Congressman Burchett's House Subcommittee hearing was going to be the beginning unfolding information about UFOs, UAPs, on an ongoing basis in a congressional hearing setting that has to do with a government that is supposed to represent of, by, and for the people. You and I, for the last 30-some years, we have talked about the relationship of extraterrestrial biological entities, artificial entities, existing in this universe, that we are not the only life form, and that the other dimensional questions about how the non-humans interact with our planet over great distances has always been under discussion. And now we're being introduced to information that would explain if you can use other dimensions, you can do shortcuts in time. Absolutely. And that leads me, Ray, back to May of 1994. I had just released my second book, Glimpses of Other Realities, Volume 1, Facts and Eyewitnesses. It was about animal mutilations, crop circles, communications between humans and beings of unidentified nature. And you called me and you said, and I'm reading from my own 1994 book that includes your and my discussion with what I call the writers. You said you had been, quote, contacted by two men who showed identification from the Department of Defense in Washington, D.C. The two agents wanted to discuss your research, Ray, about eschatology, a branch of theology that is concerned with the ultimate last things such as death, judgment, 
heaven, and hell, or the end of the world as we know it. And during your conversation with them, as you explained to me, they referenced my new book, which was Glimpses of Other Realities, Volume 1. The two men asked you if they could get a copy of my book to read. The next month in June, you called again and said that I would be getting a package in the mail. You said the contents would be a floppy disk in a sealed envelope about the content in Glimpses of Other Realities, Volume 1. And I would like to quote a paragraph that has always puzzled me and would like very much to know what your perspective is. Quote, The so-called Roswell crash of 1947 did indeed occur, and debris of a non-earthly type was found, as were non-human bodies. The non-human entities being dealt with in our psi mind control weapons development and who are apparently allowing themselves to be used for a time, are neither benevolent nor neutral. It was our feeling that very few could understand or accept this. That is the reason we approached our mutual friend, Ray Boucher. We have become aware of him through his work on the British incident at Bentwaters, December 26 to 28, 1980, when his probings began to bother a number of high-level people within our government. His theological training, his acceptance of orthodox Christian thought, and his obvious abilities as an astute researcher seem to indicate to us that we might effectively communicate our concerns through him. Your comments and thoughts in glimpses of other realities about ancient civilizations and their contacts with the non-human entities need to be considered in light of the bigger picture of the deception of mankind as a whole. If this grand deception is taking the course it seems to be, then it makes complete sense to analyze the false gods of ancient civilizations in light of the current level of deception. Close quote. Ray, what is your perception today, January 14th, 2024, as we are talking about the NHEs being dealt with in our psi mind control weapons development? and who are apparently allowing themselves to be used for a time, are neither benevolent nor neutral. I think that over the last 30 years, as I have seen things develop, as I have run across more instances in not only my research into the paranormal, the unknown, but my theological research and my work as a pastor, I think those words are proving more and more true. My position is that I have no problem with the idea that there could be extraterrestrial civilizations. That is not a theological issue. It's not an issue that is in question. That possibility is there. Could some of the things that we encounter be actual beings from other worlds? Absolutely. With what we experience and what the two Defense Department scientists experienced, they were dealing with something that they found after several years of working with these non-human intelligences that 
They were not benign, and they were not neutral. But at this point, the idea that these entities, as described by these two Defense Department scientists, were neither benign or neutral, the entities they were working with and had encountered, I believe theologically that makes perfect sense. If we are looking at the deception of mankind, my reference point I have to go back to is the Bible, and we have a member, as it's known formally, the divine council, divine beings created by God who serve him, and one of them is known as, in Hebrew, Hasatad, which is translated as the adversary. That's where we get the term devil's advocate. The adversary is referred to in the New Testament, shortened to Satan, Satan. We have Jesus' own words saying that the devil is a liar and the father of lies. We have him describing this entity as a murderer, as a deceiver. And we have Christ saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Maybe we'd better take a close look at whatever we're dealing with And that's how those researchers came to the conclusion that what they were dealing with was neither benign nor neutral, but it was deceptive and it was trying to harm humanity. There have been reports of shape-shifting in which something may be associated to a witness with a craft on the ground or a beam of light or a shadow figure but that people report that they see something that looks like a scaly reptilian and it changes before their eyes to a humanoid. After all these years and now secret meetings, why would straightforward other intelligences come to Earth as humans became more technological and shapeshift? What does shapeshifting of extraterrestrials from other parts of the universe mean to us homo sapien who cannot shapeshift? I believe that if we were dealing with a race of physical beings from another planet, another star system, even possibly another galaxy, if we were dealing with that, I believe we would be dealing with beings that were much like us in terms of our physicality not necessarily able to change appearance drastically from one thing to another. Mm-hmm. If we're dealing with spiritual beings who are able to appear in whatever way they feel is most advantageous to their purposes, which as writers described, were neither benevolent nor neutral, then that implies that these purposes are nefarious. I think that would be a perfect description of what's going on with many of these shape-shifting entities. Two of the most important sentences that I personally have ever seen when somebody was presenting me information or a document from a government source or a science source or a medical source, these extraterrestrial biological entities manipulated DNA in already evolving primates to create homo sapien All questions and mysteries about the evolution of Homo sapien on this planet have been answered, and this project is closed. 
the very nature of what we see, the nature of the interactions with many of these non-human entities, with humanity, gives you pause to say, if you really had our best interests at heart, if you really wanted to help us, why are you skulking around in the dark? Why are you appearing in many different shapes and sometimes changing shapes right in front of us? Why are you actively, as we watch, deceiving us as to your very nature? Right. If you really, if you really have the benefit of humanity in mind, why don't you stand up and say so? Right. And so, yeah, I think there is a level of deception that we have to get past. And if we ignore that level of deception, we do so at our own peril. Correct. Where do you see in a year from now the so-called introduction of UAP UFO phenomena to the United States by a variety of groups, ranging from secret meetings like with Wall Street to House subcommittee hearing, perhaps, let's hope. But where do you see the relationship between humans and other intelligences finally coming into focus as this is real? We're not alone in this universe. We never have been. I have been involved in this topic since 1965. And I have seen, in that period of time, I have seen the hope of the government coming clean, telling us what they really know, time and time again. So I am not particularly confident that's going to happen in the next year. I hope we make some advances toward that. I think so much of this comes down to a question of knowledge is power, and how much power do I want in government The more knowledge you can hang on to and the more ignorance you can keep people, the better you can control them. Brush is also quoted in this article. This is a quote from the Daily Mail, December 9 to 10, 2024. Quote, Brush is also claimed to have revealed to this secret meeting with the Wall Street power brokers that one of the United States adversaries was set to disclose their non-human intelligence to beat America to the punch, close quote. Yeah, I read that, and I'm not surprised at that. Again, if, as I believe they are, these things are neither benevolent nor neutral toward humanity, why would they not reveal themselves in some way to multiple nations? Why wasn't this done long ago at the time of World War II? Exactly. And I think that's where you begin to see the rise of what Eisenhower called the military-industrial complex. He began to see the threat that this secret knowledge held by the military and particularly the aerospace industry, if these things really care about humanity, these entities, why don't they stand up and say, here we are, we're here to help? If they really have our best interests at heart, Why don't they present themselves to the world as a whole? In a positive way. In a positive way. And finally, declassify reality since World War II. Yes, that's a great way to put it. Declassify the actual reality of what is going on in this world. 
It was only five months ago in August of 2023 that former CIA agent John Ramirez told Sci-Fi Wire, quote, we're kind of preparing the U.S. population at least, and by extension the world population, to the reality that there are ETs and we're not alone in this universe, and that there is a presence here and that we need to explain this presence. Because if they show up and we continue to do what we did before in previous decades, there will be mass panic. Without explaining why would there be mass panic? He also says, in many ways, I think the word got out within the government that they are showing up in 2027, which makes it sound like we may or may not be involved with what is happening, but that there is some in communication about that they will be showing up in 2027. And we, meaning humans on Earth, better be prepared I've heard 2027 in kind of an official capacity that I cannot reveal. I would say people in the government are aware of something happening and that there is limited time, only a few more years to, to prepare the people. And that's why I wanted to reach out to Ray Boucher because there are so many mixed and confusing signals from the Pentagon and beyond about whether there are ETs, and if there are, are they friendly, neutral, hostile, a mix, and we need to be educated a lot more. And on that note, uh, welcoming Ian, who is in England, and we are back with what we hope is a uh, upgrade uh, in our technology that we will now be able to hear Ian and I am segueing to you, dear Ian, uh, to come in and I'm interested in whether there are people, or if you've noticed in the chat, if people are appreciative for hearing from the perspective of someone like Ray Boucher's, in which the whole big complex issue of what is the universe and consciousness and uh, what about the yin and the yang symbol and the conflict of black and white and all those big, huge issues that we really don't have worked out when it comes to what is the relationship of Homo sapien that may have be, be the product of genetic manipulation by ETs on our planet and that we have had such restricted, tiny views of what the truth could be, and that now is, I feel, a true revolutionary period. But it's still occurring with so many mixed signals. Go, stop, go, stop. So I'm, I'm curious tonight of everybody who is here, what is your feeling about what is happening in this, we'll call it a slow and changing process to talk with the American public about what our government has known for literally decades, going back, as uh, was stated by Mr. Grush, from before the 1930s, and this is 2024. Okay, Ian, 
Are you there? Good evening, Linda. <gasps> yeah. Yes, I am here. And uh, yes, we have a, a, a stronger connection and we're still working on the clarity. So please bear with us, Earthfire's audience, but at least we have a strong connection tonight. It's good. Okay, it's Linda. good, Ian. Yeah. Well done, yeah, and, and we'd appreciate your feedback as well on how this comes across. Linda, first of all, uh, before we go get to that, let's uh, first of all say um, I'd like to uh, congratulate on behalf of Brad, Eric, myself, and the Earthfiles audience tonight, Linda, I'd like to congratulate you on uh, your upcoming Another Completed uh, Revolution of the Sun. So that's <laughs> for this Saturday. So Thank Linda. you. Yes, I look at it as... I am now on Saturday, January 20th, 2024, will be uh, entering my 82nd, or I have completed whatever the verb is, uh, cycle around the sun. And I have never been more interested in so many subjects in my life and feel that um, if we are not in the next, let's say five years, <laughs> finally going to have a global introduction and i mean physically like i think that they if the if there are friendlies and neutrals they should be introduced to us in a global thing and oh i would love to be in this dimension to be there when that occurs and if it doesn't if it still keeps being dragged out if there are these issues about something that is not friendly and the governments are worried we should know that as well. So I guess on this 82nd revolution around the sun, that the one thing that I feel so strongly about is we need to declassify reality that has been classified since at least World War II. All right, Ian. Questions? Thank you, Linda. Okay. Yeah, Comments? Well, first of all, uh, we've got... Yeah, we've got a few people as well who have got their own personal experiences. Avi Z, ufologist artist, says, I have a video of a thing I called the TARDIS. I was trying to see the last eclipse, and when I watched what I'd filmed, I saw this thing spinning in the sky. Uh, also, Pamela Jean, who has had experiences, says, uh, the craft looks small from the outside. I was on one that sounded like it had a football stadium on board. Right, and it is interesting that that ratio, it was the same on the man that I talked to who had had this experience at um, in the southern Utah area at Hill Air Force Base, that from the outside, I've heard of this, and it's always sort of the same ratio. It may not be, but 30 or 40 feet to the eye on the outside and then standing, stepping in, and this uh, three, what would be 300, so 30 feet into 300, it's, it's a huge time, bigger on the inside. But then beginning to learn that it is an aspect of the physics of this universe and that if we could be thoroughly educated about why and how and what it all means, um, if there is any physicist, because I do get letters from physicists who are watching the Earth Files YouTube channel. Um, I would love to have an interview, record an interview, with a physicist who is working on this whole TARDIS technology. And I assume that's happening, or uh, David Grush would not have that information. 
about working on the TARDIS in some capacity and discovering that it could somehow uh, power generate uh, enough power for 70,000 homes in a year. This is the exciting part. I mean, I hope that we will continue to have more and more and more presentations to the public and that uh, I will uh, hopefully be able to bring you guys, scientists, doctors, and all of these people who I would hope at the beginning of the revolution on a planet when you're being introduced to other life. It could be exciting unless there is this downside which keeps seemingly uh, peeking its head into all of this, uh, that there might be something that is not cool. We need to know what the truth is. So Ian, comments, questions? Yeah, here's a, a question from um, Louis Kanjala. says, how many ET races do you think live in the Earth? And now I've been thinking about uh, inside the Earth, and someone else has commented about ETs that actually live within the Earth. Yeah. But uh, Yes, I can address that. How many species there are in total? Yeah, I can address uh, from the first-hand discussion that I had in December of 1999 with a man who was working for the Defense Intelligence uh, Agency, and it's that seven-hour meeting that I have talked to you guys about in certain aspects, and that uh, he uh, was retired, uh, had just retired, and sought me out through a World Bank uh, person who had met me at a conference and had kept inviting me to certain private uh, meetings that he was doing, and this is how I got to talk with the DIA analyst who in the seven hours described in huge detail about the competition, literal wars, between various extraterrestrials in which there would be a reptilian contingency, a gray contingency, and one that would be humanoid. Uh, in his description, he never talked about tall whites, he talked about the blonde, blue-eyed Nordics. And that those three, 278 million years ago, his, his figure uh, in December of 1999 was 270 million years ago. There was a very specific node in the timeline that involved Earth. Uh, in the last two years, I have had two aerospace people say, Linda, what you have talked about, the DIA analyst, is actually quite close. That We have the number 278 million years ago was this big, huge conflict. And that all three of these ET civilizations had bases inside of our Earth, and also there were some that had another complementary base inside of our moon, Ganymede, and so forth. And inside of the Earth, it is now known by geophysicists that there are gigantic caverns, a mountain as high as Mount Everest can be in one of these caverns inside of our planet. And the way the DIA analyst described that back in December of 1999 was, the reptilians liked to be where it was hot and they chose to go underground in desert areas such as Mesopotamia. That the greys preferred to be in mountainous altitudes 
and that they put their bases inside of mountain uh, mountains, and that the Nordics preferred the protection of the large oceans of the earth, and that they chose to go down to, if you got to the bottom of the water, to the basin of the earth, you would be going still through there, where they had bases that were in big geophysical caverns that were below the basins of the oceans and the seas. And when you then think about our evolutionary history, that Homo sapien, you, me, everybody who is human in that category, that that crossfade with Neanderthalensis was 45,000 years ago, so this current form is allegedly 45,000 years. But what is the true genetic manipulation history? Who are the actual progenitors of this specific type of living organism, Homo sapien? And is there a whole lot of other factions that have fought here and Mars and beyond, all genetically manipulating for whatever their reasons, and that we end up wondering why humanity over the evolution of Earth's time in the last 45,000 years, that we can be self-destructive, and is that because of a strange thing that happened in genetic manipulation? This is sort of the big picture, uh, and that's as far as I go, because we've talked about this before, but there are more and more people who come to me with that same question. Are there bases inside of our planet? What is the history of wars? We've talked about the fact that there, uh, John Brandenburg has written a whole book called Death on Mars, about there being the equivalent of the explosion of two hydrogen bombs in the northern hemisphere of Mars, or Cydonia. Well, were those Anunnaki? And if they were Anunnaki, why would the Anunnaki have gone to nuclear war in this solar system? And the questions just keep falling out. But I find it uh, exciting to keep finding people who are studying and finding uh, that they have new information or personal information, and we all need to do that and contribute, because for whatever is the reason, reality is still classified by our government, and something has to happen for us to start really getting the truth, the good, the bad, the ugly, the neutral, whatever all it is, is my personal opinion. So uh, with that, Ian, uh, on to what you, else you've got. Yeah, Star Games 2006 says, the aliens need to step up too. If they wanted to step out of the closet, they could easily do so. Just a conference for the presidents. Humans can't do all the heavy lifting. What do you think? Oh, Ian, uh, absolutely. I'm so glad that was a, a really well-worded uh, text is when Ray and I were talking, before and even after we had done the recording. It, we both were saying to each other as longtime colleagues and friends, why do the non-humans, not in one big global, here we are, we really would like to help you. You've got this problem, this problem, this problem. We come from X. 
we have dealt with these problems before. Uh, we are an older species than you. We really can help you. We do not want your planet. We do not want to control you. We truly want to come in friendship. And this is the way we will evolve with you, uh, working with you on this planet. I'm making these words up, but I'm saying that would be the tenor of what Ray and I were talking about is sort of my fantasy, his fantasy, and others. Instead, we keep getting these mixed signals that there's something wrong, that there's a reason to, to delay, that there uh, could be issues. But why should that not be something that we should be educated about? And uh, to be very honest, one of the biggest reasons that I've heard from people who have worked inside the Pentagon, inside the five-sided building. The first thing that they always cite is the reason why Earth cannot be told the truth, is the religious evolution and wars over religion on the Earth. And it seems to me that what's been happening in the last decade should puncture that as a reason because all of you, I know how so many of you send me incredible uh, letters about your own experiences in relating to the universe and consciousness and things that have happened to you that reinforce that there is something going on between the larger universe and our earth and life. And that whatever has happened that might be in the category of a war on Mars or whatever, that we are at perhaps a place where there are beings, like Haim Eshed said in Israel in his book, that there are beings who are watching, have contributed to evolution, but they want to pick the time that they are introduced. You can jump over and say, well, but if they don't mean us any harm, they want to see us evolve. They want to see us join them in some federation like Star Trek. Why would there be any reason not to be introduced, have the whole world see them, craft everything? And okay, so we have a safe friend that is going to help us. But the fact that that doesn't happen and there are always mixed signals about motives, I guess is what uh, is the big stumbling block for opening all this up. But why? Why is there this stumbling block or something that is holding back telling the truth? If anybody tonight is listening and you are military or science or medicine or environmentalist or a language expert or working for or did work for an agency, I am uh, always eager to have more insights from people who have actually worked with non-humans. And I have talked with two such people who have worked side by side and their description in one case, was like a Norwegian or like Scandinavian. That would be in the Nordic category, not Homo sapien, but they're apparently responsible for 
much of the genetic manipulation of what we are, and that they look like us. In a room, I've been told, you wouldn't know in some cases who was human and who was the ET because they all looked alike. Well, if that's the case, what is the Nordic involvement? And the tall whites are supposed to be space geniuses, uh, but we don't see them walking among us very often. And maybe that's because the assumption is that five to six foot tall humans, unless they had a lot of prep, might not be comfortable around beings that stood 10 to 12 feet above them, even if they are absolutely in our corner and want to see us evolve. This is how we could go on and on, the facets, like opening up a fan, and there are all of these reasons given why we can't just have an honest introduction. But I, I say let's have an honest introduction to beings that our government already know are positive, friendly, neutral. That's what my hope is, and uh, that it doesn't wait for another 10 or 20 years. And if it did, if the reason for not going to the world is, as uh, Ray suggested, that there are all kinds of power brokers who want to control advanced technologies and have a huge money stream. Well, that's probably going to happen, already is probably happening. The 16 psyche metallic asteroid that's out between uh, Mars and Jupiter. It is uh, a, an incredible discovery and it has a lot of iridium and we were running out of iridium on our planet. And here is this metallic asteroid that has a lot of iridium and, and humans are jumping up and down in industries where they need. Well, great, but that's no reason not to have the whole world learn. And then other people say, well, we have enemies, human anim enemies, and we, we can't allow them to learn what we are learning in advanced technologies with the Nordics and the tall whites. Well, I just think everything has to change and move forward to declassifying reality for us to continue to evolve. It's uh, a, a strange, like we're in frozen, like a frozen aspect with classified reality. We've got to get out of it, I think. Okay, Ian. Uh, I want to acknowledge some of our super chats this evening from our generous audience. So we have Yin Yang Blow, Dr. Dolores Mies, Louis Kanjera, Camp Freedom, Northern Lights, Ethan B., Terry Golding, and Moonbird. Thank you, everyone. Oh, thank you. And hi, Moonbird. Yeah, and um, Linda, we've got uh, someone here uh, in the audience says, um, just getting to it now, um, has Linda ever spoken with Chris Bledsoe, or is she familiar yes. with his story? Yes. I think that has a religious aspect as well. Yes. Uh, it was at a, a meeting, a conference put together in uh, the Philadelphia area, I think it was about a decade ago, and uh, one afternoon I remember 
is that Chris Bledsoe and I got to sit and talk, or me listen, really, uh, to his extraordinary interaction with if Adam Burns in New York, who has dealt with a lot of different beings, he calls these translucent beings of light. And that's what Chris Bledsoe was describing. But there were also, uh, to me, there were the contradictory aspects. In any case of abductions, it seems like there's always a question. They're the beautiful, translucent, but there can be other things that happen in a category that are considered to be hostile or uh, perhaps not understood. And that it is the multi-layers of a lot of these cases, as I'm recalling, uh, that the complexity of it is where it's very hard to understand what the goal is on the part of the non-human intelligences. But I've always had and held this image in my mind of the beautiful beings of light that he interacted with. And uh, Adam Burns in New York City has done beautiful illustrations of dealing with beings of, that seem to be glowing and uh, are, there's no sense of anything but positive. And that's one of the first people that I ever talked to was him about the positive side because before then, going back 10 years, the previous 20 was dealing with animal mutilations, human abductions, and what would be the bottom line on all of those. So I started with the really difficult subjects and uh, I'm, I'm hopefully we're coming out to where we're going to have more positive interactions, but we need truth more than anything else, which is what Ray Boucher said as well. Go ahead. We've got Hayley Powell in the chat this evening. Uh, Hayley Powell says uh, she's had many encounters, including a tall white in her home in 2013. She also has videos of orbs, pictures of an ET being in the bathroom mirror. Uh, Grew up on an Air Force base. My elementary school was on the base. She also says Black Hawks fly over my home a lot too. I've documented a lot of it. Well, can she, uh, if she's listening right now, can she give you her phone number or numbers that I can follow up with her? I would love to talk with uh, any and all people who have straightforward matter world interactions with the tall whites. Could I uh, talk with you yes. and Ian get the phone number t to me? I would really like to do that. Y yes. Thank Katie you. Katie Powell, please, if you're still in the chat, please, please uh, contact us at earthfiles.com. We'd love to look at the rest of your story and learn more about your experiences. Please contact us at earthfiles.com. Yeah. Earth yes, she also then, has a question, actually. Go at ahead. The end. She says, um, have you... Do you plan on interviewing any of the three whistleblowers that spoke to Congress? I would like to. Uh, they were besieged by people. Uh, they, uh, Ryan Graves and Fravor and David Grush. Um, I would love to sit down and talk with all of them. Uh, I really would. But 
they're living a very complicated time as well, especially uh, David Grush, the fact that he's had threats and uh, I assume the feeling like they have to do meetings in private uh, is trying to help reduce the number of problems. And uh, what will be the evolutionary process of some of us, like myself, who have had a lot of experiences with lots of facets of a lot of this for 45 years. And uh, to sit down and share things that I have been witness to, been involved in, places I have been, and share with them and do a cross-pollination, it would be wonderful if it would come to that. So let's hope. If, if we continue to open up things positively, maybe some of us will be able to sit down and talk with each other in huge, great detail and length. We're almost at the bottom. Linda, the, let's remind yeah. people. Go ahead. Let's remind people. Yeah, let's remind people about your upcoming conference uh, appearances. Go ahead. You've got a conference appearing, first of all, first of all at the uh, Conscious Life Expo in uh, February, February the, um, we put a, posted a link below the video tonight and also in the chat this evening. Good, and it's always a wonderfully fun, fun, thousands of subjects um, conference. And, uh, in, and in March, I'm going to be doing the Sedona Ascension uh, with a lot of dear friends there. And Suzanne Ross uh, is the organizer, and I think being in Sedona in March with people who are truly uh, wanting the best of the best energy possible, uh, with, with our, all of us feeling like that there is so much that we need to share with each other about experiences that people are having right now with a variety of uh, intelligences and sharing it at a conference helps people evolve in their own life. And then the more people are beginning to be comfortable of talking about this at conferences, maybe it will give the government a sense of more security. They, they can open all of this up and move us into the honest place that we should be. And that's what happens at these conferences. You sit down at a table, breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and you're with people that you haven't talked be with before, and it's four hours later sometimes, and you have been through mind-blowing experiences, and you realize how much is not being discussed on our planet. Go ahead, Ian. Yes, that's right. We have the best discussions with some of the best people yeah. who, who bring forward their the real-life experiences. Okay, we've got another question here. Um, do you think that the tall alien sightings at the Miami Mall might have been a psyop to convince Congress that the public is not ready for the truth? I have no idea. I have no idea what happened at the Bayside Mall in Miami. What I can tell you is I did get a communication from a person, Ian knows who this person is as well, has corresponded with me on many other things. I think he is a very well-grounded, intelligent person. It was his friend, 
who came and they in, either called him up or they were there at the mall. I can't remember how, but they were together. And his friend was trying to explain to him that what he saw did not appear to be matter. And that's when he used the comparison of 12 feet of a column of what looked like smoke with a brownish color. And that the way the um, person talking to me about this said that his friend said he's going backwards holding the cell phone like this, going walking backwards in the mall, and this big 12-foot tall thing is coming right at the cell phone, and that the friend with the cell phone was becoming alarmed when he ran into a police officer. And the police, whether they were coming into the mall, I have the, he's coming backwards and the police are coming in, and he gets stopped, and the police officer grabbed his cell phone and wouldn't give it back. And, what, and the last thing that he said that he saw was that the brown column of whatever it was just sort of seemed to disappear. Well, why would the police confiscate his cell phone it's still, I talked with him yesterday, he still doesn't have his cell phone back. Uh, he's considering uh, a lawsuit. Why were the police coming in there and confiscating cell phones? What did they know that everybody else did not know? Was there any sustained, clear, well-lighted, uh, something that would look like, I don't know, what, what, whatever your, it, it wasn't a tall white. There was no tall whites there. That would have been obvious. Uh, I've not seen anything look, look like a gray, uh, a blonde, blue-eyed, uh, a standing up alligator lizard. So you move into the category of what was the technology and could it have been, whether it was human, alien, or human and aliens collaborating in some t huge test, that they were that there was something projecting holograms. Uh, that was uh, one of the possibilities. That it was a big test. Well, what a dramatic and it seems to me not very fair way uh, to do a test in a mall on New Year's Day with hundreds of people there, and end up with. Uh, one count was that when it was all over that there had been 81 police cars out around the whole complex and maybe over 100 police officers inside going all over the place in that mall. Like you, I've watched a lot of the videos. Um, even when they're saying, see, this is what I... It's not really quite clear. If it was a test of holographic projections on a mall full of humans, who would want to do that and why? And if it was not human provoked and it was non-human provoked, that would be even weirder because essentially there was nothing there but chaos. It was just complete and total chaos. And I think something did happen that was substantial. I really do. 
I just wish that we could get people willing to talk on the record uh, and actually had a video that backed up saying that there was something perhaps, was, was it organic or was, was everything that was happening holographic, light projections for reasons unknown, that is a possibility also. And would it at all explain the presence of the police in such a massive number who were confiscating cell phones? That's the part that always catches me. I don't understand why that happened. Now, Ian, is there one last comment or question? Well, I was just going to say, we're still gathering information on the uh, on the Bayside Mile sightings. Uh, if anyone has any further information, please share it with us at earthfiles at earthfiles.com. But yes, let's uh, just have a quick look at the questions now. Uh, yeah, here's, here's one that says, um, uh, Andrew White says, we're in a simulation for sure. Uh, again, there's a simulation, and that's one of your, the, the titles of your, uh, isn't it? Uh, you're going to touch on this at, at Los Angeles in your um, in your talk about us being in um, in a holographic universe, Linda. Yes, the holographic universe is what we're in in many ways, and the key to it all between brains and galaxies is frequencies, and dimensions are divided by frequencies, and I think that. Uh, one of the most exciting pieces I'm beginning to sword of Grok is that if you become advanced and you're somehow able to control and manipulate frequencies that can resonate different dimensions, but the idea of being able to use dimensional uh, dimensional help going into another frequency and then coming out in this universe in a place that's 50 light years away and you've done it in five minutes. It's, I think that's the reality and it's so different from everything that humans know. But isn't that part of the excitement of a handshake with other intelligence in this universe that can go to other dimensions and be able to be on a planet when we are learning all of this, meeting ETs that are friendly, neutral, even learning about something that might be hostile, but nevertheless shaking hands with other intelligences, and then eventually being part of a human species that can go out to another solar system and do it with a transportation that can be maybe in minutes. There's just so much out there to learn more about. And I just keep praying, hoping we're going to move into this year going further with let's open all of this up, all of it declassify reality, get humans on a resonant track with the highest frequencies in this universe, which then become protective. I love you guys. See you next week.
Thanks for listening to this Earth Files podcast from the edges of science, environment, and real X-Files. Go to www.earthfiles.com to see more than a thousand Earth Files reports with photographs, drawings, and documents. And visit Earth Files every day, every week, for new reports and new podcasts. That's www.earthfiles.com. Earth Files.